And now, on Nova Radio Extra as well as podcast, it's time for Plug In and Play with Wayne Madden. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's uh, Plug In and Play. It's episode three. How the hell did we get to episode three? You're very welcome. My name is Wayne Madden. And um, as usual, you're joining us here on Nova Extra, part of the Nova Radio Northeast family. Uh, we're also on podcast wherever digital is available. And for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, and this is the first episode you've ever heard, uh, shame on you. Where have you been? We've done two great episodes. We had one on Final Fantasy VII, and we had another with Ryan where we talked about Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. Many, many episodes to come, and uh, loads more in the pipeline. So without further ado, though, episode three is dedicated to a game that I absolutely love, um, uh, an interactive drama survival horror from supermassive games i'm not going to tell you what it is you probably guessed that already it doesn't leave a lot to be guessed with those clues but we'll get to that in a minute joining me uh this evening as the guest on the show is an absolutely wonderful person um somebody i can't speak highly enough um i'm just going to introduce them uh the all-round gaming guru lily madden lily you're so welcome to the show thank you so much for coming in Thank you for having me. I'm delighted oh, well, to be here. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Now, for those of you out there in Radio Land, there may be a slight sort of hold on a second. You guys have the same surname. And you may think, you know what, that's nepotism. That's typical. That's typical radio nepotism, bringing family members on shows. And indeed, you'd be right. That's exactly what I've done. Lily is my cousin, and I couldn't be happier to have her on the show. And I'll tell you for why. Because one of the great things about doing a show about video games, not only do you get the chance to talk about something that you love, but you also get to come together with people out of your life that you haven't had the opportunity to either see or speak to in a long time. So it's great to get around the... Yes, the virtual fireside and have a nice chat or something, but it's it's great nonetheless uh, to do that. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a while, Lily. It's it's great to uh, it's great to hear you. How you been keeping? How how are things? Grand. I just uh, been temporarily laid off on the job at the minute, so uh, yes. waiting to go back to work. This old damn COVID is <laughs> um, indeed put a block in the works but beside that I'm happy and healthy and um look <laughs> things could be worse they definitely could be well this is true have loads is of true. gaming time so you know it's one good thing that's come out of it is I finally get to play loads of games that I have been weaning to play for ages so it's, it's good news in a way <laughs> this is it this is it and of course I mean look I don't know how much we're allowed to talk about in terms of like industrial espionage and all this kind of stuff but it is fair to say that your employer is connected to gaming of course so it's yes. very much been a, a part of your life for the last couple of years yes that's it so um uh, again I, I'm not sure myself about mentioning them but um, that's fair enough we, that's we all right are, we're a um international gaming retailer so 
um gaming is, is all my life at the minute but because of that it unfortunately takes away from my actual gaming time so <laughs> indeed indeed um well it's it's funny actually because i i often wonder especially people who work for example for developers i mean here in where the show is primarily based in nova radio in newcastle um, we are not too far away from the offices of Reflections, who are a development company who work on behalf of Ubisoft and have been enveloped in yeah. a number of different games, such as Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. They had a, a, a you know, a, a part in that and a number of other Ubisoft major titles in the last couple of years. Um, but I often wonder, like, how people who work for Reflections or people who work for Supermassive or Naughty Dog or any other development company, when it comes to actually gaming, when gaming is your job. Um, so I suppose that's that's probably an interesting place to start. So from that point of view, when gaming is your job, do you get much time to game as a pastime or does it feel like a busman's holiday? <laughs> Uh, it, it, it does and honestly feel like a busman's holiday sometimes like I tend to um, not game until my days off um, yes. because it just it's that situation where you're constantly talking to people about uh, consoles and games and recommending there be an awful lot of um, mothers and fathers in uh, asking for recommendations so it's a situation where you're almost sick of talking about it so <laughs> you just you go home and the last thing you want to do is is pick up the console uh, or controller um so it's a situation where I, I kind of leave it to the weekends and my my holidays yes. but now with covid i have so much time to be able to pick up on games that um i've been wanting to play like i have had some games in plastic then like for the last six months or so so um, oh, I've finally wow. been able to crack them open and and play them and get a feel for them. So Fair it's, it's nice in a way. <laughs> and it's it is, and and it's also kind of ironic that there you are, sort of. God, I'm sick of giving recommendations all the time, or maybe not sick of it, but I'm there giving recommendations and talking about gaming. And I have a lovely evening off. And what does my bloody cousin ask me to do? He asked me to come on this show <laughs> and talk about gaming. So I don't mind. I'm used to it. So <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. That's cool. Um, right. So um, actually, a good place to start then in that respect uh, would be to kind of I give the same questions to everyone who's come on the show, and I talk to them about sort of you know letting the audience know a bit about them and sort of opening up that. So. Before we do that, though, uh, one thing that I did want to ask, again, if it's not all right to mention certain things, please let me know. It's not a problem. We'll edit all this out. The audience won't even <laughs> hear it. But a couple of years ago, you told me a story of how you went to a convention as part of your job and you got to ask a question of a certain celebrity. And do you want to sort of tell us about that story and what the question was and sort of remind me if you know what I'm on about? Or maybe you've been to many conventions since then and you have no idea who I'm talking about. Are you referring to Pamela Anderson or to Miles I, Nick? Uh, Pamela Anderson or whom, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at his name, so I struggle to say it. Uh, he's in Death Stranding. Oh, right. Okay. I had not known about the second one. So um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look that up now. Who the hell, how, how do I pronounce it? The guy from The Walking Dead. Yeah. 
yeah, he was in, um, he's in all the Cal Circuit. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, okay, Norman Reedus. No. Um, oh, no, you mean, you mean Mads uh, Mickelson? M Mads, yes, that's it. Right, okay, cool. Um, okay, cool, excellent. Um, right, I, I suppose either. Which, what would you like to tell us about? Please tell us a story. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you about Pamela Anderson because it was a, it was a funny one to be sure. Um, okay. We obviously she's not particularly connected to gaming, but um, she sure. was a guest nonetheless because she was at the convention that we were at, and so um, hopped in to have a chat. Uh, I got yes. a signed autograph offer, so you know, might be worth a pennies in the few years. <laughs> um, but she was um, explaining about her. Uh, past and about how she um how she like grew up in the public eye as such and she was telling us about certain celebrities and how um they were very much um party goers let's say yes <laughs> um, yes uh, but I it was it was a really it was a it was a funny conversation to to have with her type of thing but um she was explaining how um i've forgotten his name now it's um hasselhoff david hasselhoff oh david hasselhoff um, yeah yeah sure <laughs> she was explaining how he was he was uh big into his um drug scene <laughs> um and how he was he was an odd odd person to work alongside so it was yeah. uh, it, it, all in all interesting conversation, but kind of at times you were kind of going, can she say that? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. But she did, and she said it to a whole convention full of people. So <laughs> I cool. think I'm free to, to bring it on, <laughs> say it on. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> but um, the Mads, uh, Mads Middleton was a much, he was a much more kind of reserved character, but um, we didn't really get to interact with him so much as our one of the people from our head office was talking to him and he was just answering questions but he wouldn't answer a lot because at the time Death Stranding was still so unknown although saying that you yes. can kind of say that about it now but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah sure sure <laughs> um, you he was he was a he was a really decent guy and he, he came across really nicely um but um Death Stranding was in the works at the time and so we couldn't we couldn't really ask him anything without him kind of going or uh, most of the time he just said oh sure I can't even remember I don't remember any of that anyway type of thing you know he was very elusive but um a nice guy he came across as a nice guy anyways oh that's cool no that's good that's it's nice it's um it's nice when you know you meet somebody from a um from a background where you think oh god I I either I don't want to use the word idolize, but I, I mentioned this because I will bring it up on this show again in more detail, probably. But I once had the opportunity to meet Nolan North, who uh, voices Nathan Drake and pretty much voices everybody, you know. And oh, yeah. when I met Nolan North, I thought to myself, now this guy, this guy is going to be really like kind of full of himself. And actually, I stood corrected you could not meet a nicer man. Um, he really was the salt of the earth. And we sort of did a bit of filming with him for about 20 minutes and he stood on his mark and he took every direction and he was happy enough to just sort of bounce off us. And I thought, well, here's me and my friend who are complete nobodies doing a bit of filming for a random show with this giant of gaming. 
and uh, he was so totally hospitable. And it was him and um, the guy who was, because these gaming conventions are often weird. Uh, they often invite people who are in no way connected with gaming. But, like Pamela? Um, <laughs> yes. Um, although I do have a funny story about that, actually, which I'll come back to in just a moment. But they are in no way normally connected with gaming. And this particular convention, it was Nolan North, who was very much connected with gaming. And the other major guest was RJ Mitty, who played Walter White Jr. on Breaking Bad. Oh. Um, yeah, who himself is a lovely man. And, you know, the funny thing about RJ is that when you saw him, he kind of looked exactly like his character. So there were there were no prosthesis, you know, there was no like aging. It wasn't as if like he was meant to be 10 years younger or older. He was, you know, he was Walter White Jr. It was kind of surreal um, seeing him standing in a room in front of you in that respect. So, but um, one thing I was going to briefly mention, actually, is Pamela Anderson did have a foray into gaming, whether she likes to remember it or not. Uh, Pamela Anderson, actually, there was a game which I don't think it was released in, in Europe. Um, although looking at this, actually, it might have been. The game released for the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2 called VIP, which was based on a television show starring Pamela Anderson. This was back in 2001. And it was actually developed, surprisingly, by Ubisoft, but it was Ubisoft oh. Shanghai. And um, indeed, yeah, yeah. And there was also a portable version. Now, it's gone down in history as one of the worst video games ever made. <laughs> But um, it does feature, it is all, it was a show all about Pamela Anderson. And um, there's a couple of interesting YouTube videos uh, kind of labeled worst video game ever, VIP starring Pamela Anderson. So uh, for those of you who are wondering out there, if that ever comes up in some bizarre pub quiz, what video game did Pamela Anderson lend both her name, likeness and image to? It was VIP. Um, for the PlayStation, PlayStation 1 and 2. And there was meant to be a Dreamcast version. And I think there was even a Game Boy Color version. But there you go. Um, so I thought we would have uh, some questions in respect to uh, learning a bit more about yourself. So, um, Lily, the first question on the list, could you name your favorite video game of all time? That's a tough question. It is. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah, straight in there with just that. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Um. Oh god. Uh, well, I suppose for nostalgia's sake, I have to say the Jack and Daxter series. I'll oh, always be very nice. Very uh, just, cool. <laughs> it's just from from like from PlayStation Two onwards. We we had them and. Um, I just I've never gotten over them. I even have them on my PlayStation Four at the minute. Um, I'm petrified that they won't be on PlayStation Five. So yes, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see about that one. Only a few day, weeks left, and we'll be there. But two weeks today, well, I think actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's not long now at all. Um, and in fact, I mean to be fair, if I remember if I remember correctly, um, I was talking with uh, with one of the other guys we were planning to do a show about Naughty Dog, the developer, and we were there coming up with like the games that they've developed. And the one game franchise that totally slipped my mind was Jack and Baxter. And I thought oh, actually, no. like, 
I know. And I was like, oh my God, yes. So we will definitely talk about that when we get around to recording that show. But no, Jack and Daxter, amazing series of games. Um, and they even brought a couple of portable versions out. Obviously, the original trilogy yes. was out on the Vita, but there was a PSP game that was exclusive. Daxter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, it's the one game I haven't played. I tried to play ah. it, but I just... Me and the PSP just never got along. It's just, <laughs> I just no, can't. Fair <laughs> but uh, all the rest of them, even Jack X, which I didn't like, but I completed anyways just because I had to. Yeah, I couldn't leave that one out. But <laughs> um, it fair was, high. it wasn't my favorite Jack X. Was a, uh, it was the kind uh, of the, the worst that was of the... bad luck. That's it. That was the combat one, wasn't it? The combat racing uh, game, like the car yeah. type thing, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love racing games. Like I'm a massive Need for Speed fan, but yes, um, it just, it just didn't. It was just like it was trying too hard, almost type of thing. Like because there's car, uh, uh, car events within, like say Jack Tree, for instance. You're out in the desert in your cards, but it all kind of it was fine. Like it was, it was a good. It was a good experience type of thing, but Jack X, I just kind of, I, I don't know, they went off the ball with that one, I feel, but that's just personal preference. <laughs> that's all right. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, though. It'll be, seriously, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously with Naughty Dog doing uh, The Last of Us 2, uh, just such massively, like, I mean, you know, again, you could make a show about The Last of Us 2, but with so many different, you can make several shows about that game, but with so many different opinions on The Last of Us, and with what Naughty Dog are doing, it kind of makes sense that if they're to continue their work into PS5 as a Sony exclusive developer, that they would bring Jack and Daxter with them. It kind of makes sense. Um, I would hope so yeah. because yeah. it's on the PS4. Like it's like it's you know it's just it's only digital download to PS4, but yes, it still is on the PS4. So I would hope yeah. it doesn't come under the ten games that you can't play. But that's you know. <laughs> Yes. But we'll, well, wait, we'll so. wait and yeah. see. No, absolutely. That's that's what I would that's what I would like to think. I mean, obviously there has been there has been rumors and hints of a new sort of um Jack and Daxter uh remake and a legacy of pain remake on PS5, but whether you can whether you can believe uh these leaks is another thing. I mean even well, call them uh, leaks. <laughs> yes. Uh, it actually, you mentioning The Last of Us, it's funny because they actually have the Jack and Daxter game uh, on the table in one of the scenes of Last of Us Part 2. Do they? <laughs> no yes. way. Uh, was so it. Yeah. No, sorry. Go fingers. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, fingers crossed, that, that's a good hint that it might mean that we're expecting another, another Jack and Daxter. I was going to say, wasn't there like, wasn't in the first Last of Us, wasn't there a scene in which there's like a board game for Dak and Daxter in one of the houses? Maybe I'm totally, maybe I've, maybe I've totally like imagined that or dreamed that up, but I was almost sure that I'd read a post where someone was like, it's when you're in, when you're in the house with the, um, the guy and his brother that you encounter, the older, the older brother and the young brother. And yeah. Ellie and Joel encounter um, that particular scene that when you first meet them, that they are in the house with a Jack and Daxter board game. But I must look back into that. Um, okay, question two. What and now this 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 just gets this just gets above and beyond, you know. Question two. 
What's your favorite console or handheld of all time and why? Difficult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I'm always been a PlayStation person, but I love my Switch. But I would have to say, because of the games I could play on it, it would have to be the PlayStation 2 because okay. there's some amazing Need for Speed games that they just, like, they kind of dropped the ball Need for Speed did until they got, but Need for Speed Heat is a great game, but yes, um, they kind of dropped the ball, but the PlayStation 2 version had that, and then you also had your Jack 2 on it, and your yes. Jack 3, so I kind of, all my, and Spyro, I loved Spyro when I was a kid. So. Fair play, fair play. <laughs> um, kind of all, for nostalgia reasons, I'd say PlayStation 2, um, but for current generation, almost almost all generation, um, we'll go with. I'm gonna go with Switch just because nice. I play it more. Perfect. <laughs> um, so I, I have a PlayStation 4 Pro, which is fantastic. Love it to bits. Um, and most serious games I would play on my PlayStation. But yes. in terms of the the portability of the Switch, it's just you can't fault it. And there's lots of people who don't like it, but I just think it's a superb console. I really do. And it's up there with PlayStation Xbox as well, without even having yes. to try and compete with them, which is great. No, it's uh it's great. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big I'm a big Switch fan. And to be honest, very recently I started moving towards the idea of having both a handheld switch and um a main quote unquote console switch for the television because um whole idea just like sort of i love that idea first of all that the switch light that you can play it handheld but that the screen and the graphics are so reflective of console gaming and secondly that you know in some games it doesn't work breath of the wild is a bit of an example but in a lot of games you can very much kind of plug that into the television and you just have your console experience there. And to be fair, there's that many third party and other titles coming to, to Switch. Um, I would like some of the stuff to be less expensive. I would like the Pro Controller and some of that to be less expensive, but I I have to credit the Switch for being, um, yeah, it's it's a very, very cool console. Uh, that's it, like I mean, but it it is expensive, but I think it's because of the type of console it is, and Nintendo don't ever compete with PlayStation and Xbox. That's uh, true. And so you're in a situation where they have their they have their niche market, and so people yes. are willing to spend that, and so they kind of just do. Like I have the uh, Switch 1.1. Oh and, yes. Um, like I can't. There's nothing I can fault with it, type of thing. Now I use it more portable than I would. Um, on the actual uh, TV, on the docking station, but yeah. I have the game, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Ring Fit. Uh, oh, and yes, that, obviously, yes. You need to use it on the TV. Um, so there are certain games that you you do, like an Overcooked 2 I also have on the Switch. So oh, um, yes. I, I play that often with my sister as well, because it's, you know, that bit of fun. So yeah, got to add a bit of fun to, the, to your life. <laughs> That's it, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, you know, the switch is the switch is great. I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen some of the titles that have been ported over recently. Um, South Park, the fact that it's on the switch is amazing. Alien Isolation, which I haven't played yet, but I need to kind of properly download. And 
I need an SD card for one of the switches and all that and all that stuff downloaded. But there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff and it's it's well worth playing. Um, I have Assassin's Creed 3 for the Switch and I haven't started it yet, but that is my next, because I love that game. I love the storyline of that game. Yeah. That's another Ubisoft title. Um, and that's my next sort of foray is to sit down and properly start playing Assassin's Creed 3 on the Switch. So it's very Assassin's cool. Assassin's Creed and uh, Control. I'm really excited. Oh, yes. Game. Yeah, that's I saw that. And that's uh, the, the Control is actually a, a cloud based gaming. Um, yes. And they've they've hinted that they might do that with Resident Evil 3. They've hinted actually oh. that they yeah so there's apparently a demo or a screenshot or something that came out of resident evil 3 the other day and ign are reporting that they're going to bring resident evil 3 to the switch or that they might do that based on the cloud game i think everyone's waiting to see what the reception will be like with control um because it shocked me to be honest when it arrived i wasn't expecting it and I just I don't think anybody was. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, I, I logged in that night and I was just like, hang on, control is available. And this version is free. And it's like, oh, I have to take this. Um, so <laughs> it was, it, yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. But um, you mentioned Spiral earlier. And yeah. uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about that, because it might tie into the third question. Um, your first memories of gaming. Um, was actually uh, there was yes. a Dukes of Hazard game. <laughs> oh right, okay. <laughs> that that would be my first memory of like us play. Well, actually, no, that's a lie because we had the Game Boy. I forgot about the poor Game Boy. I still have a Game Boy. <laughs> um, but Game Boy, we would have played um, Zelda: Link's Awakening, which I actually have uh, for my Switch, and. Um, Zelda and Pokemon games, of course. Uh, we had Pokemon Yellow. Um, they would be my first uh, kind of soirees into gaming as such. Um, and then kind of then you hit the PlayStation 2, which is when we kind of were much more, obviously I was older, so I was more inclined to play more games. Sure, sure. Um, So then you would have, you would have like started with your Dukes of Hazard and stuff like that, and the Rugrats game. Yes. Um, and then obviously getting into more serious games like Need for Speed series and things like that. But um, we were raised in a household where we couldn't have games that were too, um, age ratings were too high. So um, we hadn't had too, we didn't have too many kind of what people would recognize now games. But sure. Um, one game that we did have, which only just got ported recently, was um, Tony Hawk's. Oh, of course. Um, yes, yes. Um, I picked that up as well. I have that still wrapped in plastic, unfortunately. I, I will get around to playing that one, but um, it's um, things like that. A lot of games that came out on like PlayStation 2 era type thing, they're starting to get all, yes. all of them are starting to come out on disc form for PlayStation 4 now. So that's nice. It's nice to be able to um, and to play. But to be honest, the only, the only reason why I'd want an Xbox is to play the Fable game that's coming out, but I mean, God knows okay. when that's going to come out. So. No, um, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could wait a while for that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd say Dukes have had their Need for Speed, Tony Hawk, Spyro, they'd be, uh, and the Jack and Dexter series, they'd be all the games that we I would have played as a, as cool. a young person. <laughs> 
very cool. A, a young person back in the day. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. You're you're in the youth of your life. Come on now. You you ladies and gentlemen of the audience, you know, this this lady, she does herself a disservice. She says that she's, you know, you'd be going around with your cane next, you know, knocking stuff over <laughs> in the supermarket, going, Where am I? Who are you? What's that thing there? <laughs> Um, it's, it's funny though, because, um, it's, it's weird actually. Nostalgia is an amazing thing in a sense. And especially in gaming. I mean, just before, um, I came to record this show, I had about a half an hour and I was playing around on the original Final Fantasy VII on the Switch, but it was the port of Final Fantasy VII that was released last year. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I've played that game probably, I've given more hours into that game than I've probably given into, you know, I don't know, actually. I mean, I was going to say I probably had more, you know, I've played more of that game than I've had hot dinners or something, you know, but it's basically <laughs> the the idea is I've played that game for years and whatever it's released on, I end up playing it. And it's madness that they then bring out a version for the Switch and I go, oh yeah, I'll have to buy that. And it's like, but don't you already have it? No, no, no. Don't be ridiculous. This is a new version. You know, No, it's not. <laughs> I, I would do the exact same thing no matter yes. what. If I had it on something else, if I liked the thing, I would I'm gonna buy it again. <laughs> gonna have on everything. Yeah. That's that's funny actually. It's uh, that's that's something I do a lot. I was gonna ask you a question about that. So obviously, as a Switch gamer and a PS4 gamer, did you find that certain games like Control, like maybe Alien Isolation, South Park, is some examples I can think of? Um, did you think of um, you know when you get games? Or um, when you get games on one console, do you end up like kind of buying them on another? Or are you sort of wanting to play games, the same game on two or three different consoles? Um, not really. So I have preferences as to what I would play, what games on what console. So for instance, uh, when I got Spyro, I got it for uh, my PlayStation. I actually then traded it in to get the version on the Switch but then quickly traded it back to get my version on the PlayStation again, because it just, it doesn't, it, in my opinion, it doesn't play very well on the Switch. The screen Fair is enough. just, yeah, it's just not good. Um, but whereas, say for instance, games like The Witcher, I actually never played The Witcher series before it came out on the Switch. And the only reason I played it was because it came out on the Switch and it was like portable, I could kind of just play it whenever. Um, yes. And so I would never have had that experience of The Witcher unless because but thanks to the switch i've had that experience so yeah uh, i i tend to pick and choose uh, more than anything else so like say for instance when crash team racing um came back out sure. i got that for my switch because i knew i would we'd be way more inclined to play it on the switch than i would be playing it on the playstation 4 um and yeah. Um, so yeah so but then games like say control for instance I had it on the PS4 and then I got it for the switch so I have it on both um so like I kind of pick and choose but some games I just prefer on certain consoles depending on if I'm more inclined to kind of play it out and about on my breaks or stuff like that rather than sitting down on the weekends and playing it on my PlayStation type of thing but um yeah, that, that makes, some games um, I believe yes what? No, no, I was going to say that makes a lot of sense in the sense that you actually plan these things. Whereas I, 
I will simply go out and go, <laughs> oh, Alien Isolation, I'll buy that. And it's like, didn't you have that for the PS4? And yeah, yeah, but now I have the Switch, so I'm going to buy it for the Switch. Or that it, it'll it, it'll be very sort of little forethought put into it. But I, I like that idea of a game being released and you're like, huh, um, I'll go with that one. Or, you know, uh, which which console, which format will suit better for the game? That is a... um. That is a much more considered answer. It's a much more forethought put in as opposed to take my money, please. I need it, you know, and it's like, <laughs> do you really? Uh, no, no, I probably shouldn't have spent that um, and so forth. But yes, yeah, yeah, I like it. Oh, that's it for sure. Even like I've only just recently started playing Minecraft um, oh, yes. more to understand what people were talking about more than anything else. But I got that on my Switch and I'm delighted I did because I have the ability to be able to kind of drag my Switch around with me and play it whenever kind of thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. If it, I got it on the PlayStation, I know I would just never have opened it. It'd still be in plastic for forever type of thing. Whereas on the Switch, I'm more inclined to try things out. Yes. So um, yeah, it is definitely is a considered thing. I do, I do think about like, if I, am I gonna play it if I get it on this? And then I kind of go for my answer from there type of thing, so. Oh, that's all right. That's cool. Um, so oh, my money's going to go on the PlayStation Five soon, anyway. So I, I won't have that. <laughs> oh, is that that's that's pretty much that's you're sort of sitting there gearing up for day one, going right. That's it. Take my money quickly. Let's have it. You know, or <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, well, before before we get to PlayStation Five, and I'm glad. So before we get to that PlayStation Five moment where you're dedicated to. PS5 gaming. Uh, what are you currently playing um, or what have you played most recently? Um, it's been a cross, I'm embarrassed to say, a cross between Animal Crossing, uh, Minecraft, like I say, and uh, Link's Awakening on my Switch. And then on nice. my PlayStation at the minute, I'm currently replaying A Plague's Tale um, and uh, a bit of replaying a bit of Red Dead 2 while I'm at it. It's oh, a, nice. Red Dead 2 is the first long game I've ever completed. Um, oh, I tend wow. to stick to shorter games because time-wise it's, yes. um, it's easier for me. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, when I say nice. ever, I mean since my like working life within the company I currently work for. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fair play. I mean, and, and to be honest, to complete a Rockstar game is in itself an achievement because I will be completely honest with you. I only finished L.A. Noir for the first time a couple yeah. of months ago. So I had absolutely no idea of the ending. I won't spoil it for you. There's a massive spoiler. I had no oh. idea of the ending of L.A. Noir until the very end, obviously. But I'd, I hadn't done that until very recently when I replayed it on the PS4 about a month or two ago. And I've never finished Grand Theft Auto V, despite the fact that, you know, five six years they've given me actually it's been more since the original yeah. grand theft auto 5 was was out on the ps3 never finished the game it's always been like oh it's a rockstar game it goes on forever um <laughs> but i i well you asked me earlier on what my favorite game was i could i would yes. tell you that my least favorite game i have ever played is gta 5 i despise oh, wow <laughs> wow and, so and, I was very reluctant to play Red Dead 2, but because I've never played Red Dead 1. Um, oh, but, right. Okay. Uh, I picked it up anyways because everybody was going mad about it. There was such hype. Yes. 
I got it and to be honest I got obsessed because I love storylines and so I was really yes. invested in in um Arthur's storyline and so that's what happened to be there very cool um I I do say again that you mentioned <laughs> I have to finish it to know where it went <laughs> I can't spoil that one just in case <laughs> well I was I was gonna say though I was I was gonna say obviously in terms of uh storylines and games with a decent story uh you mentioned the Plague Tale Innocence earlier which is which is a fantastic game um in terms of Amazing. you know yeah in terms of like storylines um uh, based around uh, based around the Hundred Years' War um, at that time, but I was I was going to say as well, just briefly, what was it that you um, what was it that you disliked so much about Grand Theft Auto? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> way to begin. I think I think <laughs> it's the fact that like the storyline is there just to uh, for people to kind of experience or what. Rockstar wanted you to experience with GTA 5, which would be your drugs, your your prostitutes, your thing. And it was just, for me, it just didn't hold any sort of like, I didn't yes. want to find out what the story was. I didn't, it didn't hold any kind of uh, mystery for me at all type of thing. And then not to bring back my job again, but to have so many very, very young kids playing it um, yes. hurts my head a little bit. So no, like yeah, kids as young as five and six type of thing like knowing what the game contains I I <laughs> it uh yeah. it like to no fault of the game itself because it's it's meant for 18 plus but yeah sure um it, it kind of hurts my head slightly but it's just it's just that like like I said like all the games I generally play besides maybe the Need for Speed series uh, which does have a storyline as well, but I mean that again, that storyline is kind of put in there just you know to keep you playing. Um, yes, yes. But most of all, almost all all the games that I have played are, have all got storylines to them. Type of thing, you know, you want to finish the storyline to get the character from the end, to, uh, beginning to the end. So, um, not always in some games that happens for me, but I try. <laughs> No, well, well, I mean, to be honest, that makes a great deal of sense because, you know, games are games are meant to be played. But at the same sense, games are meant to be played by those um, old enough, dare I say, mature enough to play them. Um, and it does often like I mean, I've seen many uh, I've seen many. I was in a I was in a game store there about a year ago and I was browsing through Switch games. And there was this kid, and he must have been about six or seven, you know, when he was browsing through PS4 games, and he kept picking up stuff. Anything with an 18 certificate, he'd pick it up, and if he didn't <laughs> like it, he'd just throw the box to the floor, you know. And I watched him, and I'd, I'd watched him doing this, you know, and I was standing there watching him doing this for like about five minutes, and he was just picking something up. Now nah, I've played it. Now nah, I don't like it, and chucking it to the floor. And eventually, um, one of the assistants came over and didn't approach the kid straight over to me and says, sir, would you mind telling your son not to throw his games <laughs> on the floor? And Did you get I, a shot then? I go ahead. And and I was there like, um, I, I don't know who this kid is, you know, and there's that moment of like, uh, sorry about that. And hang on, is this child, uh, you know, does is nobody around? And it turned out that his dad was like two aisles over or something and, you know, was, was sort of in earshot of this conversation and very quickly sort of, you know, you're embarrassing me and that kind of thing. But 
I did think it's quite interesting. I've seen many a conversation where like, well, even like a 12 year old will turn around to its mother and be like, I want that game. And they'll be like Grand Theft Auto 5. And I was like, or Grand Theft Auto 6. And I was like, hang on, I've played that game. I know what's in there. Why is a 12 year old playing it anyway? Um, but that is, that is another conversation, I think on the moralities of gaming for another time. Um, I, I, I could have a massive comment. The, the police service, the Gardaí here, over here in Ireland, they, yes. uh, I was actually in deep conversation with a Gerda not too long ago and uh, she was uh, going on about gaming and all, almost one, uh, I was asking me, would I come to schools and have a talk with parents about the moralities of gaming? Because that's it, like it is. It's morally, yes. some games just really shouldn't be played by kind of the age group that they're meant to be that's it you know absolutely sure. no i think I, th I think you have a I, I think you make a fair point um the only the only other question i have for the moment in terms of the initial sort of breaking the ice and all that if you if you made a video game what would it be like if you made a video game what kind of game would you make what would it be like um so it would be a combination of like it would have to have an epic storyline so taking from games like the last of us um and ooh, i can't think of any of a great storylines for the minute i played fail i suppose yeah um yes. it would have to have like a, a storyline that really gripped the player uh, while at the same time being scary, I love anything scary, so scary movies or scary games, anything like that, which yeah. is, is right up my street. So uh, it would have to encompass both scary, uh, like horror type sequences to it, while at the same time having an emotional storyline that kind of draws the player in um, and having nothing more than um, Burrow and Arrow or uh, fist fighting. I'm terrible at shooter games, so <laughs> I'm not okay. going to include guns in that game at all. <laughs> and anything shooter. I know I said I played Red Dead, but it was only thanks to Jedi that I got through that. Fair <laughs> um, enough. Fair enough. It's it's so. Uh, but yeah, a horror game with a great story. Like I think any game or any film, but any game is made by a great story. And if you have a great story to it, I'm I'm gonna want to finish it. And I would hope that other people are the same way. So um and i do it that way but uh i would have um a male and female male main character yes um just because like a lot of games are now trying to have just female main characters and i understand why in the day and age that we're in but i feel sure. like you should give like assassin's creed is you should give people the choice of whether you want to be male or female type of thing you know um and that's what's great about Assassin's Creed at the minute is that them, them that choice of, um, yes. like kind of your own character type of thing. You make the character your own. So, yeah, um, definitely. I, I think that was one of the great things. One of the first games I remember that did that properly was Mass Effect, uh, where yes. you were able to even reverse the sleeve and play as a female Commander Shepard. And even if you wanted like the game cover to reflect the choice of character that you play as. Um, so I think that was really cool. And um, I think they should do it. I mean, I think you go totally the other way, like The Last of Us 2 have gone. And I'm not saying that there's not room for a game like that. But I think to a certain extent, I like the idea. Yeah, I like the idea of choice. That was something 
very much that I like what um, Assassin's Creed did with um, Odyssey and very much what Valhalla is promising to do in that respect. Very excited for it. Um, it looks like it's going to be an awesome game. I think it will. I think Assassin's Creed is one of those franchises that just lives on no matter what. Um, and obviously, you know, they reinvent themselves with every game, you know, from Syndicate in Victorian London to Assassin's Creed 3 at the, the turn of the, you know, the independence of America to a game like Odyssey during the, you know, the, the Greek Empire to Valhalla during the Vikings, I believe. But it, the history of it is, is amazing, um, is fantastic. Um, and, and funny enough, actually, because you've sort of said to us about, you know, scary games, games with a decent storyline, games that grip you, games that bring you in. Um, I would say that the game that we came here to speak about this evening, primarily, is a lot of those boxes. Um, that game, those who are sitting there on tenterhooks since the show began going, hang on a second, what is he talking about? It is, of course, Until Dawn, uh, which is the 2015 interactive drama survival horror from Supermassive Games for PlayStation 4. Um, and it was a third-person perspective game based around the butterfly effect system in which players must make a choice to change the story. All playable characters can survive or die depending on the choices you make. And obviously you control what happens and you tell their story. Um, when you sort of said to me about choosing this game, Lily, what was it about this game that sort of that comes to mind when we talk about Until Dawn? What is it you like about it? Uh, it's, it's games like this. It's like um, it, it plays almost as a story inside your head as well as obviously on the screen you're it's almost like a continuous uh, story like almost like a movie but you're playing it so the interactiveness of it is just for me what what makes it such a fantastic game and when it first came out it just didn't have the the push that it should have had and yet it still no. took off like yeah. there was no tomorrow because people started to quickly realize how great of a game it was and why we should all be playing it. And, uh, but like you said, with the butterfly effect and everything like that, the decision-making is fantastic. Now, some of their decision were are timed events. So um, sometimes I, I got the worst ending possible because of, of, I just was too slow in, on the uptake as such. But <laughs> um, I lost lost a few people along the way but um yes. it just it was you know it was it's it's that thing of like well that's life anyways isn't it type of thing so it was great it was, it was a great storyline a lot of people didn't like the acting in it but I thought the acting was like it was it was teenagers and that's kind of 20 something year old and kind of that's what you expect from young people yes. the way they, they acted and behaved um like it, the whole premise of it is on the fact that they had pulled a prank on a a uh, girl who went missing um, yes. and her well her sister her twin sister went missing too but um it's that kind of that thing of it it gripped me the storyline gripped me from the very start and I wanted to know what was happening and why the events were happening throughout the game and I wanted to 
to find out and it was it was this fantastic ending as well there's nothing worse than a bad ending to a game but this was great i, I really <laughs> that's i know um, it's true that's uh, like that's it i hate it's the same with movies i hate playing or box i hate playing something true to the end and then like kind of being really disappointed and kind of going oh okay <laughs> um, but this had like it was a gripping ending type of thing and it, it kind of just it, it was what led me into the world of choice based games yes. um so i know you said before you were talking about uh, heavy rain and uh, beyond two souls yes um, yes uh, same with detroit become human um all these games were just you know they're they're fantastically placed to kind of get you involved in the game rather than you kind of just playing the game true on the, the one storyline that it is. This has, like, I can, I'm, I haven't even played, I've I played it three times and okay. I still haven't got even like a third of the endings. Like, I can't, yeah. I know I read it once, but there's, there's something like mad amount of endings to it type of thing. Mad there there is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a lot. And actually, it should be said straight away that one of the best things about this game is the actors and not just any actors, but the fact that they're so notable. I mean, you've got yes. people like uh, Brett Dalton, who plays Mike, who's known for being on The Shield. You've got Megan Martin, who is um, known as, uh, I think she plays a role in Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2 for the Disney Channel. You've got Jordan Fisher, who was part of uh, The Secret Life of an American Teenager. You have uh, Hayden uh, Panettere, who plays um, Sam, and she was involved in Heroes and then in Nashville. Um, and of course, the, the man of the moment, uh, <laughs> you've got Remy Malik, who plays Josh, who not only starred as Elliot Alderson in Mr. Robot, but of course ended up giving a phenomenal performance as Freddie Mercury in the Bohemian Rhapsody. So amazing. Kind of, it's it's kind of unreal to be honest. I mean, because Josh for Remy, for example, Josh is a great role. But then to see the person who played Josh in a video game go on to play Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody is sort of mind-blowing. And I've no doubt that Until Rain was part of the reason why he got that job, because they would until have seen dawn. his work. On, until, sorry, Until Dawn, of course. There we go. I'm mixing up Heavy Rain with Until Dawn. <laughs> but yes, I've no I, I've no I, I you know, I've, I believe that Until Dawn is very much part of the reason why he got cast, um, because oh. there's so much of his range and versatility in that game. Yes, there, there really was like, and it was, it was a fantastic um starter point for a lot of them as well like it was uh, they were already notable before they came in it but like for instance uh remy he wouldn't have been known really before he no. got the, the bohemian rhapsody so uh freddie mercury even sorry um yes. so things like that you know we knew him before people knew him type of thing <laughs> well that's it that's it yeah yeah absolutely um i mean it does say in terms of endings that there are apparently hundreds of endings uh, oh, wow, which then, are, okay. <laughs> yeah, which are which are the outcomes of 22 critical choices that players can make in the game. So yes. there we go. Um, but I, I have to be honest, like some of the so some of the best characters in this game for me, um, first of all, like the psychologist, Dr. Hill, who's played by Peter Stormare, is an amazing uh, character. Yes. In, him, in himself as a sort of a narrator, as a, 
a kind of a, a concierge, if you like, to the player is a fantastic um, character. But I, I have to say that um, Brett Dalton, I think he as Mike is fantastic, not so much at the start of the game, but by the time he reaches the asylum, he very much becomes like a Nolan North type character. And I've heard people yeah. joke saying that like Mike almost becomes like Nathan Drake when he gets to the to the asylum. <laughs> he almost starts to sound like Nolan North. Um, but I, I love that about the character that he sort of like goes through this complete sort of, he starts off as this kind of jock with, um, I mean, the only way to describe Jessica's character is that she's a bit of a wet blanket, but she starts off as, you know, as this jock and it's this like, oh, is he still with Emily? What's going on here? Do I really care? The game itself, though, is very much like that. I don't know how you found it, but I found that when you start playing this game, the first couple of, char the first couple of chapters are very slow burning. So they're coming to the mountain, they're going up in the cable car, they're getting to the house, everything's getting settled. And then it pretty much starts going at a snowball speed from about chapter four or five onwards. Yeah, I would agree there 100%. Like the first chapter, especially for me, I was kind of going, um, am I going to enjoy this game? Um, yes. Because it was very almost cinematic the way it was just, it was hopping from a cutscene to cutscene. But yes. then kind of as you play through the game, you have more control of the characters. And even within that, within the um, choices you mentioned earlier, it actually affects the way that your character is with your other, your other, your friends and um, the other people on the mountain. Yes. So, yes. Like the way you play also kind of um, influences the way that you, your say Sam would be with Mike and stuff like that. It's it's interesting to watch the game characters develop like that as well. So. That's what makes it such an awesome game is that you have much more control whereas heavy rain was quite kind of restrictive in what what was going to be the ending um, that's very true yes this had much more of a kind of open open to what what was going to happen at the end and like i said i played it three times and it had three different endings of course but yeah. each time it kind of surprises you the way the characters interact with each other type of thing and it's great it's great that that you have that control which is kind of what i want from a game type of thing i want to be able to play the game but at the same time i want to have that storyline and a decent storyline out of that so really yeah abso absolutely i mean i think um the the beautiful thing about sort of when you say about heavy rain as I said to Ryan on the last show, we were sort of saying, you know, Heavy Rain has maybe two endings. So either you find out who the origami killer is and he gets away with it, or you find out who the origami killer is and he doesn't get away with it. And that's kind of your, your sort of two endings. Um, whereas like with Until Dawn, it's phenomenal. Like some of the, you know, so when Dr. Hill is addressing you as a player. You're, the, the idea is that you're meant to be Josh in therapy or that's how it's meant to play yes. out. But he is addressing you as a player and he is asking you to make a choice of what characters you don't like. And depending on who you choose, he then gives you a psychometric sort of evaluation. So I kind of, I mean, I ended up sort of, 
kept picking the same character that I didn't that I didn't like, who was um, <laughs> who was I I want to say Emily, who was the um, who was the the girl that Mike was, was yeah Mike's ex girlfriend Emily, and every time I would pick uh, sort of Emily, he'd then give a bit of a sort of a background as to why you didn't like their character. But also the belief is that for the character you said you didn't like the least, um, it would be harder for you to make those choices which resulted in them living. So it was almost kind of steering you to try and, you know, keep the players alive that you liked, which was kind of scary. <laughs> That's it, it is. It is just quite scary. You have control over who lives and who dies. But... Um... It, look, it makes it makes the story much more interesting. It's we're in with the trope become human. Um, I lost a lot of characters that I didn't want to to die, yes. <laughs> um, but I lost them because of the way the game is played. Whereas in Until Dawn, I had much more control over kind of once I especially on the second playthrough, I had a lot more control over who who lived and who died by knowing how I was playing type of thing more than before. Type of, the first time around, I kind of, I lost people I didn't mean to lose. Yes. <laughs> but the second time around, it was it, a lot more survived. They were okay. <laughs> well, the, um, the, the game itself um, was obviously developed originally for the PlayStation Move uh, for PS3. Yes. And it was meant to be that the Move controller would be like your your torch for example so you would move the torch around and you would like uncover certain things and that kind of factored into the vr spin-off so they did a they did a, a rush of blood it's called until dawn rush of blood and it's like you're on a kind of, oh have you okay so i have so, yes how did you um how did you find it what did you think of it um to be honest i was quite disappointed with it um yes. no i haven't played it all the way through so i can i can comment on it fully but it was it didn't hold my attention and i love roller coasters and stuff like that and you did get that roller coaster feeling from it which is great you, your tummy almost did that you know that little leap uh when yes. you were going down a thing but it just didn't kind of i i didn't find it freaky or scary i didn't find it I didn't find that I wanted to, to finish it type of thing. It wasn't something that held my attention the way the inpatient would, uh, which also obviously is for the VR. Um, but the, uh, like Until Dawn, it was a fine game. It was nice. It was grand. Uh, uh, Russia Blood was fine to play, but I wasn't my, I, I was excited for it because of Until Dawn. So I was slightly disappointed when I got on to playing Rush of Blood, but then it redeemed itself with the inpatient. Hmm. And um, and I have to be honest, I mean, when I first heard of the inpatient and someone had said to me, oh, they're going to make a sequel to Until Dawn. And I was like, a how, prequel. how? Oh, sorry, a prequel. Sorry. Yes. A prequel to Until Dawn. I was like, how? how is that possible? And of course, <laughs> they come along and they said, well, you know, they'll make the story based on the events in the asylum. And I thought that is that is brilliant, you know, because it was almost as if the subplot within Until Dawn of when Mike is going around the asylum, which, to be fair, you can avoid a lot of that in a playthrough of Until Dawn. So if you decide to, 
you can avoid a lot of that. And then Mike doesn't get to explain to Sam what he found in the asylum and doesn't get to tell the story. And if you don't see any of those items, none of that comes up and you're none the wiser. So it's kind of cool how that entire story, which was itself fascinating, then suddenly became the idea of this particular um, this particular uh, prequel. Um, I've not played it though. So how did you how did you find the inpatient? Uh, it is genuinely one of my most favorite VR games. Okay. Um, it is it is what the VR is meant to be. It encompasses everything. So you can choose if you're male or female, and you have your full body, which unfortunately a lot of VR games lack. Is you have your yes. your kind of hands, and that's it. Whereas if you, if you look down on yourself, you have your body as in you can see your, your stomach, your legs, your feet. Yes. Um, you can even choose the skin tone. Um, but my favorite thing is the fact that it incorporates both the mood controllers and uh, voice interaction. So nice. at the start of the game, you're tied into a chair and uh, you have amnesia. So you don't know uh, where you are. And so the choices are, who am I or where am I? And you can literally say, who am I or where am I? And it'll pick your voice up and choose that as your answer. And then the um, doctor will correspond to you depending on what choice you said. And so it's fantastic. Like it's what wow. everything, so it chooses voice, movement, everything. It's got everything involved in it. So now sometimes the controls are a little bit clumsy when you're trying to pick things up or put things down. But yeah, to be honest, like it was always there's always going to be some sort of issue with any game. So um, but it's just the the story is great. There are jump scares, which is I love jump scares, especially in VR when you're literally in that world type of thing. Um, and it's you, you're, you've got choices again within the game. So it's great again like you're still on the kind of same um features you had with the original until dawn game um but honestly i can't i can't pick the game up enough if you have a vr you should play the inpatient it's, it's what the vr was designed to do oh well this is you know this is praise indeed because i i was meant to sort of what i was going to be asking you about ultimately was when you talk about something like vr there was a lot of um, was a lot of sort of talk recently about the fact that with PS5 coming out, Sony decided that it was going to take away support for the PlayStation VR. And this is only, you know, two, three months after Iron Man has come out. And they're sort of saying, well, you know, all that VR stuff that we said we were going to support for years and years, we're now actually going to take a step back. And anything I've ever played on VR, although it's an expensive system, but anything I've ever played on VR has been very well worth playing. And even the simplest games have been some of the most fun that I've ever played. It's been it's been incredible. Um, so, I mean, in terms of heading into PS5, I guess I, I suppose my question is, are you are you disappointed now that VR is kind of going to start taking a back seat and that many people will sort of say, well, if I'm getting a PS5, I'm not going to get a VR because it's not going to be compatible. Uh, it, it will be compatible though, though, but you have to, oh, you have to uh, uh, apply or write them and get the 
like they'll give you a uh, they'll send you out a connection for free no it is free okay um but i am disappointed to get on the back burner but at the same time i'm not surprised because they did that with say when the playstation 4 came out the psp and ps vita kind of took a back seat and it never kind of it never came back um and so they the sony playstation they seem to tend to stick to focusing on their main project uh which is fine i i understand it like they want to make that thing work but I mean, I bought the VR when it first came out. Uh, so obviously I, I spent a decent amount of money on it. Uh, the only lucky thing was I had my move controllers for my PlayStation 3. So yes. <laughs> I didn't need to invest in them. But um, it is it is something that I think they need to put more effort into making a wireless version or even a semi-wireless version because uh, as it stands, the worst thing about the VR is the fact that it's got so many wires um, compared to other uh, virtual reality um, devices um, but it is it, like it's it is what it has to be to do what it does with the PlayStation but I, I would hope that in time they start refocusing on it type of thing because there's games like Beat Saber and stuff like that which are just amazingly fun games and the guys at Beat Saber are fantastic people. Um, and so I want things like them to, you know, I, I don't want to lose those games type of thing. So Well, um, I, I was I'm, I was about to I was gonna say to you actually about Beat Saber that it's one of the few VR games that I would be familiar with because I've I've played it through a friend of mine who has a VR system and he set it up for me and he was sort of like, This is this is the game you need to play, you know. And Beat Saber is just like, and I think it makes a huge difference when the songs in Beat Saber are songs that you actually know and love in yes. that respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what, you know, how, how much time have you invested into Beat Saber? <laughs> uh, an awful lot. Like, I mean, so you can go up by ranks now. Um, two of my colleagues are much higher rank than I am in it okay it's um it's still like you you want to you want to do better than the other person and they now they've only just released uh, but it's not on the playstation 4 yet they're hoping to do that in january they've released multiplayer which uh, all those beat sabers people have wanted for ages so it's fantastic that it's coming out for it but yes. um that's that's what kind of then sucks that you know you're not going to have the same support as what it was for playstation 5 but um like it, it is a just it's such a fun game i can't describe it because describing it as kind of like uh guitar hero except with lightsabers to people people don't understand just how fun it is until you actually go ahead and play it and then you really see just just the excitement levels and i'm a very competitive person anyways so um yes. like I, I want to i want to be the best at anything i can do type of thing so um like you have music packs like they keep adding music packs as well which is fantastic so like you have imagine dragons you have um lincoln park uh <laughs> you even have anime ones coming out uh in anime uh, nice. k-pop ones uh okay, so, okay um and now you can also uh kind of uh your own uh, character you can make your own character as well on it now which is is really nice but um it is a, a superb game it's just it's like i would i'd you you would put so many hours into it but 
it's a workout in itself you're mm -hmm. you're exhausted by the end of it type of thing so the biggest problem is having your screen fogging up because you're <laughs> yes. you've, you've been you've been going uh, 90 on it but um honestly fantastic game again if you have a vr play beat saber and it's amazing. such a reasonable price as well amazing all the price on it Oh, it's good. It's good. I like it. I mean, what I would say is that in terms of music as well, to bring it slightly back to to Until Dawn, um, Jason Graves, who did the uh, work for Until Dawn's music in 2011, um, spent over a year actually putting the recording sessions together for that particular game. And wow. I think I think. Yeah, and I think I think much like obviously as Beat Saber is for like the better the music, the more interactive it is. I think in Until Dawn as well, one of the most amazing things, and it's it's one thing that they've gotten very right. I think when Sony do audio, because Sony have been doing audio for years, so as much as the visual is important, the audio, especially when you're plugged into a system like a VR headset or anything. Audio is so important in manipulating sort of your emotion towards the game. Um, and that's that's one of the things about horror games, especially sort of things like Until Dawn. And I imagine the inpatient that one of the most amazing sort of things would be the soundtrack, the idea of being submerged within that universe uh completely. Yes. As you say, when you're when you're telling the doctor, who am I? Where am I? And sort of trying to remember as much as possible um is quite is quite cool um but a lot of a lot of gaming in general nowadays the big thing i, I would recommend yeah. yes yeah go ahead uh, the big thing i would recommend with playing on Dawn is that you play it with the lights off like you <laughs> you you need to uh, the atmosphere of the game it really has to be one that you're kind of you're not in a brightly lit room you need to have lights turned off and, and like play the game from from get go and enjoy the the jumps that come along with it type of thing because they do it well they you know unexpected occurrences happen frequently within it type of thing so it's it's nice to to create that ambience as such. <laughs> and did you um, did you gravitate towards any particular character? Um, was there any particular sort of character or storyline strands? that became your your favorite as part of that game or just overall or was there kind of a character that uh, you resonated with the most <laughs> sam sam would have been my my favorite that but that's because like i'm i'm a softy heart anyway so i felt sorry for hannah's character in the get-go and so kind of i like to follow sam along the way and see how she dealt with the after events of um what happened and yes kind of follow her down her path more than anybody else she was definitely my my favorite character out of all of them i think sam is is a fantastic character in one sense for two reasons i mean first of all because it's hilarious that for the first part of the game all sam really does is go and take a bath like that is the main sort of yes <laughs> you know sam's sam's main story is i need to go and have a bath i need the hot water to be running so i can go and have a bath and it's like <laughs> you've come all the way up the mountain with a group of friends and the minute you've arrived you're like i'm just gonna go off on my own and have a bath please and and so in in one sense that was that was hilarious but on the other hand i think what was great and i don't know whether you you found this but there was a particular scene 
in which you're being chased by the quote unquote, the psycho, if you like, and you're being chased by the psycho and you hide in a certain place to try and avoid him. Now, if earlier you did not shoot a bird during the target practice, if you didn't do that, then uh, the butterfly effect means that you don't have a bird disrupt you and therefore the psycho doesn't find you. And if the psycho doesn't find you, and believe me, this can be one of the hardest things to do in this game, <laughs> you end up going into a secret passageway that eventually helps you find all of Josh's secrets, which I thought was phenomenal that that one scene, you cannot play that scene if you are basically, um, if you are not. Um, so if you're playing the game and you get caught by the psycho, you will never come across all of those Easter eggs, which I thought was amazing. And it kind of helps move the plot along so much. <laughs> yes, it really does. Like, but that's it. Like I, I like I ended up in the secret passageway and came yes. across everything that it was. And it it did admit it. But that's why like I got kind of attached to Sam as such, whereas um, you know, I wouldn't have I got attached to some of the other characters who kind of, you know um were annoying to me more than anything else type of thing especially um oh, oh what's his name what are you are you are going to uh, mike. say um, mike mike uh, and em he, uh, yes Yeah, it might annoy me through most of the game, and it was like only towards the end that I kind of started to to go, okay, he's not that bad, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I, I, yes. No, go ahead. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lost my stream of thought now. Um, but some of the characters I feel like we just put in just to kind of kind of carry the storyline as such. But uh, others like Sam, like Mike, they they had to be there type of thing, you know. To they were the story as such. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think that's um, you know I think that's representative of the fact that at one point in the game uh, there was like a kind of an extended edition, a downloadable content that was purchased. And the downloadable content itself, or what came with the special edition of Until Dawn, was like this one scene featuring Emily and Matt. And basically, those were the two characters that got kind of the least amount of screen time. Um, yeah. And certainly in the first half of the game, you hardly see them. And if you remove that scene, they're virtually not present at all. Um, it's only really when Mike jumps out and scares Matt with the bags, you know, and um, it's it's just <laughs> just a ridiculous sort of it's a little thing there where I thought uh, that was quite interesting. But I would have liked to see a kind of a director's cut thing. I would have liked to see more. But I have to say, um, when we talk about uh, so a sequel to Until Dawn, that's probably highly unlikely. Obviously, we've had the spinoff. We have had yeah. the prequel. Um, but in terms of a sequel, I think the nearest thing that we're going to well, get... Which are... Come on. <laughs> no, well, I was going to say the nearest thing that we're going to get is probably the, the Dark Pictures anthology. 
so um super massive games oh, is, is currently yeah absolutely uh so you've got man of Medan, which was out last year and then little hope yeah. which was literally released in the last couple of days um which was out yeah. for halloween this year which is a um another example of interactive drama survival horror and i mean it's it's pretty much you know it is on till dawn except it's bigger stages and it's more grandiose characters if you like and and they can do a lot more because presumably there's there's a lot more money to go around because of the success of on till dawn um with your sequel though at the very end if you can manage to keep josh alive yes um at the very end there like it goes through kind of everything it plays for everything true uh i try not to read the ending for people <laughs> um it plays everything true and then at the very end he there's a cut scene with him in it Yes. Um, again, I can't say it because I'll ruin the ending. Um, no, that's all but... right. I, 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 I've, I've seen the one that you mean. Yes, yes. Ah, very good. Uh, so, you know, they could, like, because, um, how to say it, you kind <laughs> of have resolved, resolved the way the game ends, but if you get to his ending, it kind of encourages the fact that it could have another sequel from that ending. But you would have oh, to I, literally yeah. get that ending to to push yeah. it forward type of thing because he's then becomes what you have tried to get rid of your whole the whole time yeah no i i think um i think that makes sense i mean there was an article done by GameSpot last year and they were asking sort of like why has there never been an until dawn 2 and um you know supermassive have said that well they had ideas about what it would be, but it never happened. So instead, they developed, obviously, the spin-off and the prequel. Um, but obviously, fans will still request that Until Dawn have a sequel. And um, and obviously, that has, that has never occurred. Um, but of course, in many respects, the spiritual sequels, I think, in terms of the gameplay and the designs, um, although they are completely separate, the Dark you know, pictures anthology, uh, Man of yes. Eden and, um, and and Little Hope, uh, the first two that have been released so far. I think although they are completely separate, I, I will say, though, that there is kind of like a an overlap in terms of how the games are made because they're made by the same development company. So, I mean, you know, that in itself is well, at least great that they're, you know, Yes. Yeah, well, I actually have them winging their way to me, so hopefully I'll I'll have them played soon. But excellent, um, it like it is something that I've been wanting to play for ages, and now now I have the time, so I'm definitely going to get on that because it they are again down my street of what the type of game I want to play is. So, well, that's it. I mean, um, you know, you've hopefully. got again. <laughs> I was I was going to say again, you've got a game with a good story. You've got a game with a. Um, you know, uh, a good design and uh, and hopefully one which has an engaging plot. Now, I've I've played Man of Medan a little bit, and certainly everything I've played of it seems to suggest to me that you know it had a fairly engaging plot. Um, and I liked how there were a few more decisions than Until Dawn in the bit that I played, in which the story could go off even further. So. They've they've put a hell of a lot of work into it, so I like that. So well done, Supermassive. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's my <laughs> congratulations for that. Um, 
But do tell me though, um, I mean, in terms of sort of games that are you are looking forward to in general, we hit on this briefly, but I think something that we should do before the end of this show is talk a little bit about the PS5 uh, coming out. And obviously, you know, with you looking forward to the console and looking forward to what titles, is there anything in particular on the horizon that you're most looking forward to? Is it just sort of Assassin's Creed Valhalla or is there other things that you're kind of hoping for as well that you'd like to see on the PS5 ideally? Uh, so obviously, like you said, Valhalla is a big thing. Uh, even yes. within the realms of the PS5 itself, I'm really looking forward to use the haptic controller because I think that that's that's like that's an actual development on what we already have with the PS4. We're yes. getting more with the PS5's controller alone, never mind the actual PS5 itself. Um, in terms of games, um, I'm a bit of a Harry Potter geek, so I cannot wait for Hogwarts Legacy to come out. Um, uh, but that will be sometime next year, so I'll be waiting on that one. Um, Stray looks like it's going to be a good game, but the game I'm really looking forward to, and it should be out on release, is The Pathless. Um, okay. It's not a well-known game, but it looks, uh, I almost in graphic form, it almost looks like, um, I'd say, Zelda Breath of the Wild. It kind of has that look to it, but... Okay. Um, you like it looks like it's going to be my my type of game uh obviously then um horizon um zero dawn um yes two is coming out uh, so really looking forward to that uh because i really enjoyed the first one as well so i'm hoping uh the second one is just as good if not better um spider-man miles morales i love um i love the first spider-man in terms of just yeah. swinging around the city um but i never completed the game so i want to try and see if i'll complete spider miles morales um just to have it done type of thing but valhalla stray and the pathless are kind of my games that i'm waiting for really looking forward to and then hogwarts legacy just because you know <laughs> to to go down my harry potter <laughs> yes yes absolutely well i mean you know obviously we we gotta hope as well we gotta hope as you said earlier that jack and daxter will come from ps5 as well oh i hope so uh, that's like i mean <laughs> but i mean to be honest like um playstation plus the games that we're getting on playstation plus is amazing so um hopefully they'll like you know with the games that we'll get from that they'll continue down that path and give us games like jack and daxter and that for free with playstation plus yes. um that's my hope <laughs> um <laughs> but look we'll only have to wait and see with that one and hope for the best but as they develop their online functions i reckon that we'll see more games like that coming to it i was in games that they have more control over than games that are you know multi-platform games so I would, um, I would, I would, fingers. I would like to think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, look, you got your uncharted and stuff like that within it, so um, it is, it is something that is possible, I would imagine. But um, to be honest, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with games, because like they've developed the haptic controllers to uh, make everything more kind of interactive in terms of you know if you're shooting a gun to. Uh, pulling a barrow and arrow, it, the the controller will adjust itself, which is just 
next yes. level stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping for some great games to come out. But I'm looking forward to Gran Turismo 7 as well, just because I do like my car racing games, but it's not something that I'm mad looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Games that developed to make to be great storylines like uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is just you know you're you're you know it's going to be a good game you just need to watch the the trailers to know you're you're going to enjoy that game so um it is something that that I'll be getting like that'll be my kind of launch game will be Assassin's Creed Valhalla and the Pathless yes okay cool oh I think um no, I think definitely um, some of the some of the additions I've seen for Valhalla though as well. Some of like the um, the deluxe editions um, that are coming out, you know, where you can buy this additional DLC or these additional kind of like upgrading tools before you even begin the game. Um, again, Ubisoft are doing it right in the sense that if you want to invest, you can like spend your hundred quid and buy your ultimate edition and get all this yeah. additional content and you know Ubisoft they, they don't let you down in terms of the soundtrack and the art book and you know yeah. I, I love that I love that about digital content it's something that I think you don't tend to get with digital content and I think before I had before I had the switch I was very much against digital content and the switch is kind of brought me into the idea of saying, look, I like digital, but I still want to stay with the physical content as well, because I want to see those games grow on the shelf physically. But um, no, I, I I like that. I like the efforts that they make, especially Ubisoft make with those games when they bring out limited editions and you have that opportunity if you want, because again, they are only made for a limited, there's only a finite amount of these things. One, yes. One thing I've noticed, I don't know whether, you know, you can comment on this much, but one thing I've noticed with a lot of gaming retailers is that games are only put out for a certain production run. So if they're really popular, you've got your greatest hits or you've got another run. But effectively, there's only a finite amount of time to get a game. And if you don't buy it new within a certain amount of time, it could legitimately sell out. And the only way you'll get it is secondhand or digital. 100 percent. i see that so often uh people will come in like a game will out of blue become popular again and they'll come in looking for a new copy and i'm like <laughs> no <laughs> um but Good even work. in terms of your yeah but like even in terms of your digital content like there's a lot of games that will release day one digital content um they're like the people who first purchase the game will get something that you'll never get again even when they release more copies of the game you're still never going to get what you could have got on day one um yes. even the company i work for have their own special edition of assassin's creed valhalla uh oh, so wow. available with them uh, yeah, and with yeah. that you get uh special additional content we knew there were a few games that launch but um it is, it is great because you do get the stuff that you wouldn't have got otherwise uh, from just purchasing the game like in a year or two's time when it's no longer like the must-have game of the, at the time type of thing. But I, I have no doubt Assassin's Creed is going to do well because um, it's just got it's just got so much going for it already before we've even touched it to play it type of thing so uh, to, to be to be fair i think there's so many people still playing odyssey and origins even now that it's like oh wow like that they're bringing out such amazing content 
within such yeah. a short time of of bringing Odyssey out. Um, but the the other thing I was going to say was something that you mentioned there when I thought about you know retail stores in general as well. I think gaming, especially with what's been going on in the world this year with COVID and everything else, gaming is probably the one industry that is very much, at least digitally, at least in terms of pastimes and all that, very much seen a boost in the engagement factor in gaming. Um, unlike probably any other industry, to be honest, it's it's incredible. <laughs> And no, it has been like there's been so much more uptake in it because obviously people have a lot more spare time uh, and even down to parents like needing to entertain the kids and stuff like that. It's It has brought on a whole new generation of people into gaming where you wouldn't have had them before because, you know, they would have been in school, sports practice and then home again. Whereas now with such extra spare time, a lot more people have gotten into gaming and even yeah. adults and a lot more women as well, which is great to see because um, it's like it is a industry where there is very few females compared to the, the mountains of males. <laughs> but it's just because it's not looked on as something that is kind of, you know, a lot of girls wouldn't kind of have an avenue into gaming. And that's actually where the Switch is perfect because the Switch yeah. brings a lot more um kind of kids uh, it, it's very open to the kid market and with that female market so um it encourages people into gaming which is is great to see especially in the last three three nearly four years that it's been out the switch has i've seen a marked increase in the amount of like teens and 20s female gamers which is always nice to see you know it's nice to have a a combination of such yes i mean I think it's it's worth actually commenting on that I do myself and this show probably a disservice if I didn't ask you and sort of take the opportunity, like from yourself as a female gamer, um, are people often, I mean, I say people, I, I guess I mean guys, I guess I mean men, are they often surprised stereotypically when when you're so passionate about gaming and and not only that you play, because let's be fair, Obviously, you know, attitudes and times and everything are changing and not to say that there weren't female gamers 20, 30 years ago, but actually it's what strikes me about, you know, as you've been speaking this evening is your passion and your knowledge for it. And obviously part of that is to do with your job. But even aside from that, you can see it coming through. It's obviously you as a person are passionate about that medium. Does that sort of, does that, do you find that surprises people or is that something where actually no way you're the old fashioned one or, or what's the deal there in, in that respect? <laughs> um, you're almost wrong in a way. It's a lot okay. of uh, mothers, I would say, would be the most surprised that I'm there at the checkout. <laughs> um, okay. it, it, but then you have uh, people especially from uh, Middle Eastern places which who are almost opposed to me being there talking about games and, and search for a guy to talk to I'm the store <laughs> manager of the company uh, in the bit uh, the right. store I work for but they will look for yes. a guy um, but uh, in terms of even playing online for example I very very rarely play online because the attitudes of um, male gamers would be, oh, yeah, God, sure. it's a girl type of thing. <laughs> and that's not always the case, and not to do a disservice to guys, because some guys are, are fantastic. I'm obviously friends with a lot of uh, male gamers, but sure. um, 
there are some kind of uh, younger males who would be quite kind of oh she doesn't know what she's talking about why is she trying to tell me about this game and then trying to almost battle me on my knowledge of of uh, of consoles and stuff like that and it's like I'm oh, not no. I'm not there to have a battle with you no no that's <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> um but it, it is it is a interesting position to be in and I'm not I, I wouldn't be the world's biggest feminist in the world not at all but sure um at the same time it's kind of surprising the attitude some people have towards me being a female and in the gaming industry yes um but like I said like it's actually a lot of mothers would be it's almost as if my uh, opinion on a matter isn't trusted compared to if it was a male's opinion on a matter um yes. and then like so it's always quite nice when I, I'm proven to be right and I'm kind of like ha. <laughs> um, but it is, it's just I, I suppose it's a society that we live in like it, it is viewed as a more male orientated world uh, but it, like you said it is becoming far and far more uh, universal to to every sex um, sure. out there so it is something that I am finding a lot more acceptance for from when I first started um, in the industry to where I am now but I still do avoid playing online a lot because on um, games that would be uh, open universe uh, because it is just um, the interactions you have with some people are not not amazing <laughs> um, yes. which yeah. is probably no. why I stick to a lot of story-based games uh, yeah. because of that reason like because I know that I can just enjoy the game by myself and off I go type of thing but the way mm. the world is going now it, with gaming it is going online that's that's the way it's going to be like more and more games you there's, there's very difficult to find two-player games now decent two-player yes. games um uh, that are offline like if you want to play you're, you're kind of forced to play online and a lot of households now have more than one console because yes, you know to be yeah. able to play with each other you need to have like Johnny in one room and and Pat in the other room both playing the PlayStation they're playing together but they need to they need to have two yeah, consoles course. which is again a great marketing strategy from console companies because look I mean it's more money in their pockets so uh, I can understand why it's going that way, but it is sad because I think days of like playing a, a, a car racing game against the, a person sitting next to you and being the one to win and kind of bloating the person's face, it's it's not the same when you're uh, kind of online on your headset talking across the mic going, hi, one, it's not, you don't have that same kind of sense of satisfaction as such um, yes like I said I'm a very competitive person so well uh, well I mean I I love that to be honest that's what I love about the idea of playing Rocket League online is that it's very much kind uh -huh. of like universally it, it doesn't really matter it's just that you're all kind of in it together as part of a team whether whether I'm I'm playing in a team with well whoever I mean for all I know they could be aliens from another planet you know but there they are and we're <laughs> We're all trying, you know, we're all doing the team effort. So, and I love that as well, yes. that sort of cross-play attitude with games like Rocket League, where, you know, you could be, in theory, playing against a Switch player or a PS4 or an Xbox or a PC player. You just, you just wouldn't know. And, and that's, I love that, you know, I love that idea. It, it is awesome. Yeah. It like that, it, like, and even the games like Rocket League, where they're just fun games, where you're not kind of, 
oh, it's not kind of down to skill sets and stuff like that. You just you're having fun as well as trying to win the game type of thing. It is it's a fantastic game, but yeah, crossplay is something that we need more of. Um, and unfortunately, it's actually PlayStation that seems to hold that up more than anybody else. But um, yeah, at the same time, I understand because they see themselves as an exclusive console, and well, I can't fault them for that because they do have some amazing exclusives. So. This is true. We'll this it. is true. No, no, they, they very do. They, they, they do. I will not take that away from them. Um, what I want to say, though, is it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. And, and thank you so much for taking time out of your life to, to talk to myself, but also for the benefit of the listeners who I imagine will be so enriched by your by your positivity and your feedback. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me. It was great oh, to have a conversation. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It does. It does not often happen. Um, I believe the last time I saw you was our was our beautiful uncle and aunt's wedding. Actually, about two odd years it ago. Was. Now, about two. God, how how time! I tell you something. I that I would don't scare know. me. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I know. I don't know where time goes, but there you go. Um. But no, for the benefit of you guys out there in Radioland, uh, you've been listening to Plug In and Play on Nova Extra, part of the Nova Radio Northeast family. I've been Wayne Madden, and it's been an absolute pleasure to um, talk to Lily Madden for the last uh, two hours or thereabouts and uh, just talk about everything and anything and um, talk about the, the passion of gaming. Um, plenty more shows to come. Uh, plenty more content. Uh, we have a couple of things coming up. There's one show at least we'll be discussing the developer Naughty Dog. And of course, if you haven't already heard it, please go back, listen to the previous shows, Final Fantasy VII, Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, you're probably playing away on your PS5 and listening at the same time. And that's cool. That's cool too. I don't mind. I, I can share... You know, I can't multitask, but as long as you guys can, that's all that matters. Um, but uh, Lily, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and, and, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy and uh, take care.